Welcome to a very special episode of Cinebabble. This is a bonus episode where we are going all in on Midnight Mass, a new horror series on uh, on Netflix mm-hmm. from, uh, I guess, showrunner, head writer, Mike Flanagan. Mm-hmm. And he's been responsible for a good bit of horror that's been on Netflix. He did Gerald's Game. Yep. And I'm missing some. But he's he's essentially <laughs> just... <laughs> Wow. <laughs> Sorry. Bly Manor. Yeah. He did Bly yeah. Manor and uh, um, Haunting a Hill House. Mm-hmm. He has a very Stephen King vibe. That's that's what my brain was going for. He has, he has a real Stephen King vibe to his horror storytelling, even though not everything that he does is adapted from a, a Stephen King work. Uh, but Midnight Mass was interesting because this is one you just messaged me out of the blue. Mm-hmm. Have you watched Midnight Mass on Netflix? And I I had seen, I think, just the kind of title card for it. I hadn't watched any trailers. I had read nothing about it. And so this is one of those rare things I just got to dive in with without knowing anything about yeah. it other than what the the artwork staring in my face told me. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Clint, what would you think of Midnight Mass? What made you text me? And uh, give me give me kind of your general take on it, and then uh, I'll I'll tell you how I reacted to it. Well, Mike Flanagan, he also did Doctor Sleep from a few years ago. Yeah, that would have been important to lead with <laughs> since we talk about Doctor Sleep every other episode. I completely forgot. Oh, I thought I'd throw it in there. Thank you. Thank um, you. I, I appreciate being made the fool. <laughs> I wasn't trying to. <laughs> um. So I've watched all of his um, stuff that he's put on Netflix. I've mm-hmm. watched the Bly Manor series, and I watched um, Haunting of Hill House. Neither of which I've seen. Uh, okay. <laughs> I was just 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 for references' sake. I don't know why I reacted to you saying it like that. I think I think you're still waiting for a fight. We ended Maybe. last episode with a fight, and you're just you're raring to go. So. Um, no, well, I, I, so I went in, I was really excited to watch this because I, I enjoyed both of those. I think he has such a, um, specific like style in his, um, horror. It's very character based and like grounded in character. And like, so then like the scares are all kind of around the, the edges and like they're slowly seeping in and it gets, and so it's very interesting. I, and so I was really excited to see that he had this new series coming out and, so instantly going into it, it's very much about like faith and like, um, and your viewpoint on faith and like co- coming to God and going away from God. And, and I, I just know like our background together growing up. And that's why it just seemed like a subject matter that you would be interested in. And I, especially after our reaction to Dr. Sleep, I, I was like, I think Ken will like this one. And I feel like I may have mentioned the other series to you before, uh, like the Bly Manor, but um, I, I never pushed them too hard on you. Cause I, I just, I just never was quite sure. Like they're, they're you know, they're like 10 episodes each. And like, I never try to get people like too invested in something that's so time consuming. Yeah. Um, so I, I didn't push it too strongly, but this one I was like, I think this one might be for Ken, and it might be a good gateway for him to go check those out. Um, so, yeah, what did what did you think about it? I I was impressed from the start. It it's a slow start. This this show very much has a vibe uh, that's similar to 
the second and third season of The Leftovers, mm-hmm. uh, which I had I had watched the first season of The Leftovers, and after a couple of episodes, had just checked out, and never got back to it. And then after it was in season three and it was getting all this acclaim, I went back and just fell in love with that series. And this had that that same kind of vibe. Now this isn't in, in the horror corner of things, but it does that thing that that we've talked about Stephen King doing in his best stories mm-hmm. and and in the movies that are adapted from his works, what they do when they do it best. And that's give me people that I can believe in, give me characters that I care about, mm-hmm. and give me scenarios that aren't over the top. It just feels it feels like a group of people that have. At least issues or things they're dealing with that you can have some empathy for, that mm-hmm. you have some grounding to understand, and this this was full of them. Uh, I, I was particularly taken by this idea of this small island town mm-hmm. that is is pretty religious, and I I wasn't sure what they were going to do with that. I I got almost instantly okay, this is a vampire lore mm-hmm. kind of series. What impressed me the most as I went through, before we even get to themes and stuff, is that most things tackle something like vampire lore and they try to give a new twist on whatever the mythology is. Mm -hmm. Let's do vampires different. Yeah. This didn't do vampires different. Yeah. What this did is it set up a different community of people and a different viewpoint and a different set of characters and looked at how they're reacting to this this vampire mm-hmm. kind of mythology and and clearly in this world they don't have stories about vampires this is very foreign to them so that's probably the only thing that feels uh, you know different than than our reality mm-hmm. um which i appreciated but really the thing that got me was it's dealing with uh you have a group of people and they have this great faith what do they do with faith mm-hmm. that's where it got me because instead of making the vampire story different, it's it's these people looking at something that we've always taken as inherently evil. Yeah. And on the surface is inherently yeah. evil. And they you don't should kind look of re- at this thing and say, this is not of God. This is not good. Right. And it kind of says it's a lot about themselves, like yep. not realizing that maybe we are evil. <laughs> yep. And so what this becomes is almost like Stephen King's Storm of the Century. I don't know if you remember that, but no. it's about this town where this this evil entity comes to this town and tells them, I'm going to kill you all unless you give me a kid. Mm-hmm. And this town slowly decides, okay, we're going to give you a kid. Mm-hmm. And the only one who's against that is the father of the kid that gets picked. Mm-hmm. And it's just this morality tale of who your neighbors really are. Mm-hmm. And and Midnight Mass really dug into something that's that's bothered me for a long time, and that's how quickly people, when they are uh, really entrenched in faith mm-hmm. and their belief system, how quickly they will twist their belief system or how quickly they will twist whatever comes in their way to line up with their belief system. Right, right. And that's what this show was about. Mm-hmm. This show was about a group of people who even when confronted with evil, mm-hmm. <laughs> it just – no way about it to argue that this is evil stuff. And they they managed to very realistically, I think, and believably convince themselves that this is actually of God. Yeah, so much to the point where they're like twisting that there's a full-fledged demon in front of them 
that this is an angel. Yep. Like the the blinders in the um, just like tunnel vision is so strong that they're like completely switching the two. It's so interesting. And this unfolds its supernatural reveals very slowly. Oh, yeah. Uh, and that that helps that aspect mm-hmm. of it because really you have a priest who has been uh, essentially converted by a vampire mm-hmm. and he's coming back into a town and the people don't have any experience where they're going to have trouble with that until there's a miracle. Mm-hmm. Uh, a girl is healed. And suddenly just this one thing gives everybody the excuse they need to say it must be good mm-hmm. because something good happened. Right. If something good happened, it can't come from something evil. And of course, everybody doesn't think of it that way. And so you have this town that's slowly being positioned like morality chess pieces mm-hmm. where there's going to be a showdown. And it has very little to do. I mean, it's inevitable. Yeah. It has very little to do with vampire versus man. It's it's not a 30 days of night situation. No, no. It's it's one of the classic kind of horror, uh, you know, humans are the real right. terror. Right. And in this town, some of them just go all in. Most of them go all in. Most, yeah. And some of them kind of hold on to their humanity. And it was very interesting that it's the outliers. It's the ones who aren't a part of that faith community that are the ones that are that are seeing things for what they are because the faith community is so blinded by that, that faith lens that they're putting everything mm-hmm. through. Well, even the people who are on the outside of the, like, the faith circle, mm-hmm. like – it's especially like the one main character who is a full, like basically an atheist at this point. Like by the point in the middle of it where his character kind of is on the out, like he's his character is going to die. He's kind of in a way almost come not back to faith, but to a realization of like what that meant to him in his yeah. life. And like that it, it, I shouldn't be like – He's not. Shouldn't be completely pushing it away, and like how he so strongly. It's more of like a realization of what it meant to him from the beginning, yeah. and a clearer view, especially with like how his relationship is reunited with the his um, childhood like girlfriend or, or or romance, and just how they're talking about it, and how and. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, and it's and it's in no way it, it would be very easy to come to this series and say uh, that it's attacking Christianity or it's attacking Catholicism or it's attacking you know these sorts of things. It's not at all. No, uh, I mean you could take any religious fervor and and replace the uh, this the system of beliefs. Yes, it picked one. Uh, but I think it would be easy to say, oh, the the sheriff is a Muslim and the doctor is a lesbian and these are all people who are outside of this conservative Christian circle. And so this is an anti-Christian movie. And I don't think so at all. I think this is just a warning movie to anybody that – You're on either side of it so devi- – like far. Yeah. That, to, that's, to any yeah, extreme. Yeah, any extreme. Um, that, that be really careful because and, – and that was where this movie was really giving me chills before even just the horror elements. It was just that idea of – especially after the last, you know, however many years we've watched this sort of develop in our own culture. Yeah. Where, man, people – really dig in and have this religious fervor and they're willing to attack hurt uh break relationships they're they're willing to do just about anything mm-hmm. to really push what they believe mm-hmm. and the irony is that that you lose kind of the 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 compassion that's at the base of uh that that very same religion that you're professing and 
you know, if it if it sounds like we're really going off the beaten path here, that's the cool thing about Midnight Mass. That's what I really loved is it's asking these very big questions. Yeah. And for the first five episodes, there might be – well, first four episodes, there might be five minutes of supernatural stuff each episode. It's it's I mean, very light on the supernatural. The f- I mean, it's not till the third episode where the vampire is actually like it's announcing this yeah. is what we're doing. Like I I didn't know it was a vampire thing until that um that scene where he's on his trip mm. to the Holy Land and then like he's trapped in that storm and like like oh man, that okay, that's what we're doing now. I, I because it does not broadcast it until that yeah. point. And I think I just in the in the little plot description or the artwork, there was something where I just knew it was a vampire. Oh, I, I didn't going know. in. Um or maybe I just assumed. I I don't know. Mm. Uh, but whatever it was, it it just it it very, very light on the supernatural elements at first, because it's really dealing with these big questions mm-hmm. and it's it's putting people not always at odds there's there's this great relationship at the center between the atheist and this this religious woman that uh he had had a fling with and he knew when they were teenagers they mm-hmm. grew up together and i loved their relationship mm-hmm. that conversation they have on the couch about what, what happens? happens after yeah. death yeah was beautiful yeah yeah that was one of the the best written scenes mm-hmm. of just two people talking about what they think mm-hmm. about the afterlife. That was an incredible scene, incredibly well, acted and, and written. Both not telling like you're wrong. Yeah. It's oh, yeah. just like, just what, like, I want to know what you think. Yeah. 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 And it was that moments like that just reminded me of, of late nights, you know, not as much anymore, but back in college or stuff when, when you would just stay up with friends and talk about these really big subjects and, and tackle these big questions. And there was no, there was no animosity. There was no competition. It was just sharing and, and together trying to figure out, you know, what's real. And mm-hmm. and you could really feel that in those core relationships and those core characters. And then you have also very Stephen King. You have these fringe characters mm-hmm. uh, who are your m- much more of your religious zealots. Yeah. Uh, very clearly – uh, the the one woman, uh, the I assistant to the priest, is so I, clearly a sociopath. Oh yeah, and I think that's one of the best villains in yeah. horror I've seen in a long time. Where no. the point where you like seeing she like made my skin crawl. Yeah, like I cannot stand this woman. Yep. Um, to the point where I'm having really strong reactions whenever she's on screen. Yep. Like I feel like I know this woman. Yep. Um, everything she's saying, like uh, she has a Bible verse for every single thing she's saying, and you cannot like convince her otherwise because she's so set in yep. her faith. And uh, it's it was yeah horrifying. There's and and just general spoiler warning from this point on because there's just no way we're not going to hit spoilers. Uh, but there's, there's this one scene, uh, and it just, just chilled me, uh, just straight down my spine. Uh, the, the priest now a vampire has accidentally killed somebody, but then essentially just, uh, well, he had knocked him down and, and the guy's bleeding. He's probably, you know, able to be saved, but the priest in his bloodlust just starts lapping up the blood mm-hmm. and drinking it. And, and then there's this horrifying shot of him just sitting at the back 
the blood trail. Uh, well, there's no, there's, there's, he's sitting there just sucking on the back of his head. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I, yeah. I don't know what it was about <laughs> that because I'm so used to the classic vampire on the neck. No, yeah. That him cradling this grown man mm-hmm. with his head in his lap and just like, he's got his head on the back of his skull mm-hmm. sucking like it's a bottle mm-hmm. was so disturbing yeah. to me. But then not to be outdone. This woman mm-hmm. comes in and finds them the next morning. He's back in the corner. This guy's clearly dead on the floor. The priest, blood all over his mouth. It's very obvious what happened. This woman comes in and she looks at the scene and the camera really lingers on her. You know she's processing and putting together what How happened. How can I swing this And into, then she instantly, yeah. instantly yeah. starts turning it to... Why it's okay, yeah, and why the priest is in the right, and why this is of God, and she's quoting scripture. Mm-hmm. I mean, like hardcore scripture. Yeah, that was one of the other things that that was really well done in the the writing of this. Is they they know their Bible. <laughs> well, Flanagan, um, he grew up Catholic. That makes and a lot so of sense. So this is about his entire journey okay. through like growing up that way, and then um, like I think getting sober and then becoming an atheist. And it's just like he's been working. Like this was he had done written this before any of the other stuff, and like had been okay. trying to get this made for years, and nobody would. And then he had success on Netflix with the other stuff, so then they were like, okay, finally, you can do it. So this has been a passion okay. project. It, it's so well yeah. researched and oh, yeah. studied, and it's it's not just little Bible verse here, little Bible verse there. I mean, especially this woman. I mean, she speaks, She's delivering full five-minute sermons, oh, yeah. and they're scary stuff. Yeah, and the priest, the the sermons he gives are just oh, like the one where where the old woman that used to know him yeah. leaves, mm-hmm. and she's like, "I'll never I, go and I'll, never do not go back to yeah. that church. That is not the same man." Yeah, that was just and and what he's saying, it's 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 horrifying, and and this really plays with the idea of the Westboro Baptist Church and these groups that take uh, things so far out yeah. of context and just twist their entire theology to match whatever they want to believe. Yeah. And I mean, those scenes were so convincing to me. Like it didn't feel like, you know, like you can tell like in a um, comedy, like, or like about a stand-up comedian, mm-hmm. when a, a stand-up comedian, like the, the scenes are well done and you can believe the, because it doesn't usually play very well. Yeah. And I felt the same way during this. It was like, it, feels like a real yep. pastor giving a real sermon and there's real like fire and brimstone behind it and it's very believable and scary. Yeah. Yeah. Uh even even when she's having when she pops up in town meetings and you're seeing some of the town issues that that are being dealt with that are coming from this too. Uh it just there there's so much to this show. It's it's a deceptively complex show because oh, yeah. it seems so simple and it's it's dealing with a lot and and it felt so timely mm-hmm. and so not on the nose just it it was really tapping into a lot of things which is funny cuz it it didn't even occur to me at first this is a period piece mm. it's pre cell phone it's it's pre a lot of things that helps it to be a better horror movie uh but it's it's able to just deal with these themes without getting into uh kind of the uh, yeah, but that wouldn't happen or having excuses for, you know, cell phones being down or things like that. Mm. Uh, and it just, it it really allowed it just to focus on the characters and, and their different struggles. Um, I, I'm having a really hard time getting my brain to give me the words as to what I thought of this in, in like short form, 
form oh. because I just I loved it. Yeah. I, it, if anything, the the last episode uh, was almost a disappointment. Hmm. Not because in any way I didn't like the ending, but just because it, the show takes so much time to establish all of this that then it just has to wrap everything up. And it I, wraps it up wonderfully. Yeah. I'm not criticizing it all. I didn't have that it's still, feeling. It still deals with that stuff, too. Um, I think my problem was I watched the first six episodes, and then I had a long break, and then watched the seventh episode. Oh, okay. And I think that's what did it for me. I think it had just gotten me out of the flow. Um, I feel like there was so much in that end, like, just about, like... Especially that that character of that woman and like how arrogant she was yeah. about her her faith and like how she had it figured out and like how this plan she sets in place to turn like to burn down the entire town and like mm-hmm. the we're just going to stay like the arrogance to think like this that we can survive here and not yeah. uh, not thinking outside of the bigger picture of like what's yeah. happening and um, I I feel like it wrapped up those themes so well. Um, but I, I really enjoyed, uh, just how it kind of, it it goes full in on the, the vampire situation, like by the end. Oh yeah. I mean, by by episode three, it's, here's our winged creature of the night kind of thing. Yeah. Even, but like, even regardless of that, it becomes into full on like death cult, uh, situation and turning into with the cups and everything. Yeah. Turning into, and it just, it's full on vampire, like, like, um, outbreak. And, um, I don't know. I, I I can understand that if it's because it is so, um, centered on relationships and that, but I I don't know. I just don't know what else you would do. You couldn't. At that point, the lines are all drawn. Yeah. There's no more to explore in the relationships. It's all just all the pieces are in place, hit the domino Mm -hmm. and see how it all falls. Yeah. Um, And so, yeah, it's, it's not a criticism at all. It's just, it's one of those, I, I felt my brain, I, I could have watched another three, four episodes in there of this. Mm. I just, I was so, uh, enamored with this world and these characters and everything they were doing. And by no means do they kind of sugarcoat or soft pedal their characters. Um, there's some genuinely shocking just deaths mm-hmm. and and things no, in yeah. this that suddenly uh, very almost Game of Thronesy where you're, mm-hmm. wait, I thought this was one of the main characters. What are we doing now? Yeah. And, um, and I, I appreciate all of that. This just felt like a very really polished and mature uh, essentially horror series and you don't usually get that with horror mm-hmm. you usually get where you can feel that the the emphasis is on the scare the emphasis is on the atmosphere this it, it was much more on on the ideas mm-hmm. and and what was really scary in the midst of all this situation well i mean the other two like bly manor and hill house he uses like the same character, like same actors throughout. Mm-hmm. Um, and tonally, this is so in line with those. It's mm-hmm. He's always more concerned about the characters, the big ideas, and the horror and the scares are all around the edges. So it always makes it feel much more impactful when it comes in because you – not that you forget about it. It's just you constantly know it's there, but – it's so much more impactful when it, it actually rears its head. Um, I, I would just – I would forget I was watching a horror series. Yeah. You know, it would be this long conversation. The The sheriff is is a Muslim 
and he's dealing with his son being kind of attracted to the miracles and things that are happening at this yeah. this Christian church and that you know naturally unsettles this dad and and he's having these long conversations with his son very well written conversations and there's one in the kid's bedroom where they they're really coming to a crossroads and then suddenly he sees something outside the window at the end of the conversation mm-hmm. And I had completely forgotten, oh, yeah, I'm watching a horror series. Mm-hmm. And it did not feel cheap. I tacked on. No, no. It's, it's not just a, yeah. it's, it's there at the edges. Yeah. And, and when the characters pause, that's when they notice it. But when they're kind of immersed in their lives, they don't notice that there's this thing right out in the dark just plotting something much, much worse than than what they're dealing with. Yeah. And I mean, so, so many of the characters are so immersed in their own lives and their own faith and how they see it, that they're being able to twist this yeah. like a demon. It's a demon. Basically, it's been, it's a, it's a uh, vampire that's been around for millennial millennia, and they've twisted it into this angel. So they've been they're so immersed in their own thought process that they cannot see the truth, and they know it. They're justifying it. Yeah. The priest, especially, the, some of the last sermons when he's when they're about to have the actual midnight mass at yeah. Easter. The sermon he's delivering is all about you're going to be afraid mm-hmm. and you're not going to think – he's essentially saying you're not going to think this looks like an angel. You're not going to think this looks like something of God. He already is – there's something in him that's realizing this is evil, but he can't see it yet because he can only see what what has to happen. And what has to happen is this is of God and I need to push it. And so he's ignoring all the red flags. And not only is he ignoring the red flags – He's using them to uh, dilute or or to subvert the red flags that other people are naturally going to have. Yeah, well, I and I really find it interesting. Like after that sequence where his um, the older woman she is turned, and it comes to light that it was more him his selfishness yeah. because he brought that thing like he he has this grand lofty thing about how he's trying to save the people and he's like but really it boils down to he had a relationship with this woman who he's loved his entire life and she was married and they had a ch- and he had a child with her he's a priest he can't go and have this relationship but he sees this thing as an answer to finally having the life with her. he And it's not this grand, like, I mean, he talks himself into, he's also doing it for this reason of like saving the town. But his initial reaction to why he brought the vampire there was to t- bring her, her youth back and they could have a relationship. And she's the catalyst because only after she shoots him and only after the thing takes her away mm-hmm. and he thinks that she's dead, does he really start to realize maybe this was all for nothing? And yeah. for the first time, he starts to look at it objectively. Yeah. And you can see it. And I love that they did that turn with the character. I love that Me they too. had set up the older woman, uh, the the assistant or whatever, as the actual villain, mm-hmm. that the priest is, is genuinely a good guy. He's just been blinded by... Uh, you know, coming to the end of his life and never having taken a hold of the things that he really wanted. Yeah, and you can see it in those um, like scenes where the the AA meetings with Riley, yeah. where like you can see that he's, I mean, a good priest. Like yeah. he and there is um, a lot of like humanity and yeah. heart in 
in what he's preaching and he really believes it. And, and even with like Riley, who is at this point an atheist in his life, like it's never like he's judging him for it. He's trying to understand like how he's got to this point and like, and what he's gone through in his life with like this, um, kind of accidental, accidental killing of this girl, Mm -hmm. um, in the, the drunk driving accident, like he can understand how he's got to this point. And so I, it, you can see like, yeah, he is kind of blinding himself and trying to talk him into himself into this is the right thing to do with this, um, I guess, opportunity he has with this vampire and sharing the blood. And, and that's – I think that's what I found the most fascinating is that the vampire is almost an afterthought. Mm-hmm. This could have been a movie, a, a drama about uh, AA. This could have been a drama about uh, an atheist coming to terms with, uh, you know, something he had done in his past. This could, at, at any point, this could have been a, you know, a, a an outsider sheriff just trying to get the respect of a of a culturally different. All of these different stories were strong enough on their own. Mm-hmm. Those AA scenes uh, were great. Yeah, I loved the. The storyline with the uh, older drunk who had mm-hmm. accidentally shot the girl and paralyzed yeah, yeah. her. That scene where she goes and confronts him yeah, and was him. powerful. Yeah. That was incredible. Um, there are just there there are scenes in this this series where I realized this this series wouldn't have to have vampires at all, and I would be fully invested. Now, the genius of it is that it's using those things to expose. Uh, the the worst of these people. It's really dividing them into camps and making them kind of shine a light on who they really are. Mm-hmm. The fact that the parents of that girl, all it takes is a miracle and and their daughter can walk. And even when they're at the doctor's and the doctor wants to send her to the mainland for tests, the dad is just like, no, we're not going to question a miracle. We don't question miracles. He's already yeah. getting in line with something that's that's going to be used against him later on. Yeah. And they do a really good job of hinting at like that the mother really isn't fully on board at first. Like there's scenes where coming in and she's crying and, and like slowly turned into, um, the, the plan or whatever they, they have set to happen. Um, so there's, there's a lot of like subtle character things in there that you, might not notice until you put it together at the end. That's some subtle religious themes too, yeah. because they, I don't think they ever say it directly, but every single wife in this show uh, will express concern and then they just follow their husbands. Mm-hmm. And and there's these different things where there are these, these really kind of um, uh, conservative religious elements that are there but they don't feel the need to explain them. It's just you really feel like this community has been here for a long time. Oh, right. And especially being on this island and yeah, isolated from yeah. the mainland, mm-hmm. they're not you know, in any way trying to be progressive. They're not trying to advance along. And anything that, that comes into their world that's different – is something to to fear or shun or or to be suspicious of. Well, then they hinted that too, especially with Riley when he comes back and he's mm-hmm. like talking to his dad and he's he's like, oh, I don't understand all that stuff, like the you know Silicon Valley or whatever. He's like, and it's mm-hmm. just like it's so outside of his world, and this mm-hmm. it's just this divide after Riley left, and um, they yeah, and even that's interesting because I mean he didn't kill a girl. 
he was in a he was drunk mm-hmm. and he accidentally killed a girl. But nobody in this town, maybe short of the priest, seemed to and and it, the the woman that he's connected to that he grew up with. No one else really seems to give him credit that this was an accident and you were a kid. And from the beginning, they view him as a murderer, well, as I, somebody who went out and intentionally killed this girl. And I kind of also, I feel like they're looking at him as somebody who left the community yeah. too. Yeah. It's not just that he killed a girl. It's more, it's, they're probably hurt more that he left and like that he um, pushed them out of his life. Yeah. I think that that's just as big as that he committed this um, act, like accidental That's definitely act. what it is to the father yeah. when yeah. he's expressing, it's a, you went away. Yeah. And... Uh, it just it was very interesting because because there again it's that and that crops up not just in Christian circles that's any extremist circle or any religious circle or any uh, philosophical circle that really is tight knit mm-hmm. they really start to see anything that that differs from them or anything that that questions them or separates from them as a threat mm-hmm. as a danger or or as a you know, in this case, as as somebody who's going against God's will, mm-hmm. um, and that, you know, I've I've been lucky to grow up around some really good religious people, and I've been unlucky to grow up around some religious people that are exactly like this. Yeah, yeah. I remember going to church with people that I could point at and say, "That's this character. That's this character. Mm-hmm. That's this character," and that was playing on my mind the whole time. I've seen these people. I've mm-hmm. I've seen them work. You know, obviously not with vampires, but I, <laughs> I've seen them work with any other social issue and any other thing. And they'll they'll point at the same book that says, go out there and and love your enemies and and feed the hungry and and do all these things. And then they'll turn around and in the same token say, but not those enemies. Right. Those right. enemies are too evil for us. Mm-hmm. And and it just it's it's that cognitive dissonance. And it's like where how in your brain do you have two thoughts? that are so contradictory and yet you justify and work out in your mind how those things can coexist. Yeah. It it that to me like is real world scary mm-hmm. and this show is full of that. Well, yeah, I mean especially like with the sheriff character by the end like that whole last episode mm-hmm. where he's like I mean he's up against all the vampires at that point. Um and that uh I can't remember her name the the main like uh, the villainish, the the super. I, I, yeah, I I, I so didn't want her on screen that I had a hard time. But when it comes like when it comes out, her complete honest, true feelings about him, and they're so real world, and like calling him like a terrorist, basically, and it's just like so very real and unsettling, yeah. and it's just like, man, this is very true and and, yeah. d- uh, and disturbing and it's like just says it and it's just like oh my gosh this is yeah yeah and and that's where it's it's only the people that aren't caught up in that religious fervor that are noticing at first mm-hmm. it it takes to the point that they're in a church and this giant winged thing walks in before other people start to wait a minute what's happening right now mm-hmm. it takes that long well i mean it's spe- <sighs> like and that's after the plan is announced of you're going to kill yourselves by drinking this poison uh-huh. like then the vampire comes in yeah and that's so, what like, stops what's his face from walking out the sheriff yeah yeah 
because like they're almost like they're trying to understand the like the plan of like what are we we're going to digest this poison and kill like but then like they're kind of still on board trying to understand but then the vampire comes in and that's what kind of wakes them up i'm just telling you right now clint if you extend that bottle of water to me you're holding and you're just like (laughs) drink this it'll kill you but you'll come back even if you then let somebody drink it and i watch it happen i still got questions yeah I got some significant questions, Mm -hmm. especially if a big, weird, winged creature walks in and stands up on the pulpit and spreads those wings. I got more questions. (laughs) I, I, um, man, I, I really love the vampire and like that was such like a really cool, like that when he first meets him in the desert and that's such a good, it's such a classic, like solid horror image of this yeah. priest coming across yeah. this it was very vamp- exorcist when he finds the statue in in the beginning yeah. of the exorcist yeah, yeah. with um pazuzu or whatever his mm-hmm. name is um yeah and just him lurking the shadows in this cave and yeah. it's such a good and it's so uh, fun i mean it's so cool like after that all the time up to that point of like learning these characters and then slowly and like re- like coming to the realization of what's happening yeah. and then like announcing straw like boldly like oh this is a vampire story yeah and, and lean and hard into lean it too. hard into it yeah and that's what i really enjoy too about like the other series that he's done like the bly manor is is, is very much like a romantic horror uh, story built around like this haunting at this at this manor and so it's very much also about like these characters all living there and she's gone there to um take take care of this uh Mm -hmm. little these children and um and it becomes like this romance but like Mm -hmm. they slowly he slowly weaves in this ghost story and and the same thing about um uh, haunting a hill house is like this family into this house. So it's about this family and the 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 the, the uh, things that they're dealing with, and the the like. There's one of the brothers is a drug addict and is dealing with that. But then there's this haunting. So it's all around the edges, and it makes it so much scarier when it reveals. So I think that's what a lot of modern horror filmmakers miss, or just any horror story writers or anything. It's it's that you have to believe that these people mm-hmm. have lives outside of the a plot right, right. obviously the a plot of uh, midnight mass is town versus vampire mm-hmm. but it, it it's so much more than that and it makes that plot so much stronger because you spend so much time developing the people so that when somebody makes a decision it matters it has actual mm-hmm. weight because you care about these people even if it's somebody you hate, like uh, Bev is her name, uh, even if you you hate that character, she still has an impact mm-hmm. and you see the power plays being made. And so you are invested in her losing an argument. Mm-hmm. And it's that much more frustrating when she wins an argument. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, yeah. That scene where she they start uh, teaching the Bible at the school. At the school. Like it's a public school. Mm-hmm. And the sheriff, he goes into like because he's a Muslim. And he's like, why are you doing this? This is a public school. And she, just her entire monologue there in quoting scripture and like, and giving her reasons is so um, just, it's, 
she has a strong argument just because the sheer fact that she won't stop talking. She won't shut up. She won't shut up. And you're just the entire time, please just shut up. Mm -hmm. Let someone else speak. But at that point, she said it all and she's got the people on board that she needed to get on board. And it's so such a powerful scene. And you yeah. just see the sheriff's face sinking. Especially as he's looking around the room and seeing everybody starting to agree with yeah, her. Yeah, yeah. Because he's like, he's like, I, he's like, I... I know what I'm saying is correct, but she's she's done it. Yeah. I I actually and I'm going to watch the other two series this week, uh, but I I want to go back through this one because there's things in it yeah. that you know at first with this Bev character I just thought this is a bad performance the first episode I couldn't get a grasp on yeah uh, who she was as an actress or a character now. Uh, I totally get it. Oh, Same yeah. thing with the sheriff. Uh, by the time you get to his story, his backstory, which isn't until episode five or early in six, uh, that suddenly adds so much more to him. And it's not that it should have come earlier. It would have felt manufactured to come earlier. Yeah. But it makes him such a richer character. Mm -hmm. And it all makes sense. Everything about this, the the character motivations and, and what's driving them, it's not simplistic but it it just makes simple sense. Well, well, one of the things that like at first was, I don't want to say bothering me, but maybe distracting me a bit was the choice to use prosthetics on younger characters yep. to, uh, de to age them up. Yeah. And then at first it felt like, oh, is he just doing, because he likes to work with the same actors and the, like he's carried yeah. actors through. So I was like, is he just doing this for the sheer fact he wanted to work with this person? And yeah. he didn't have, and he wanted, he's like, oh, I don't have a, a role for you other than this. So we're going to just uh, age you up. But as the story goes, it, it totally makes sense. Yeah. And it's like, oh, oh, that's why. And like, I was like, oh, there must be a reason he's doing this. And, and I it, would 100% rather they oh, yeah. uh, prosthetically oh, age too. up somebody than CG de-age an older actor oh, yeah. to make and them look like they're getting younger. For sure. And I got over it quickly yeah. after realizing, yeah. oh, okay, this is a vampire story. And like, there's going to be people, you know, becoming younger and, you know, so it didn't bother me long, but it was just like, oh, there's, I noticed it. It it took me a while. I, I noticed it on some, uh, yeah. like Riley's mom. I It did not even occur to me that that's Jeremy Davies uh, mm. as his dad until oh, right? they started de-aging him. And oh, okay. And then it hit me. Or the the one guy, the father of the, the girl that's paralyzed is uh, Anders from mm -hmm. Battlestar Galactica. Yeah. I did not recognize him at all. I was yeah. looking right past him. And usually mm -hmm. I noticed that stuff. I felt like such a dope. And uh, the doctor's mother. Mm -hmm. um, I I could tell that they were aging her up. Mm -hmm. I did not realize how young she was. Oh, I know. And this, by the end of the show, I was just – then I was very impressed yeah, with the too. prosthetics because yeah, they too. had really – and just to track that from episode to episode, I would love to go back through and see how much more of a subtle shift. Did you recognize they make. her? No. From Doctor Sleep, she's Wendy. Or, no. Yep. That's oh, the Oh, she is. Yeah. Is that the right In name? In the flashbacks, yeah, she plays Wendy Torrance. Yeah. Uh, you're totally right. Yeah. I didn't I, I mean, I didn't notice it till the last episode when she's finally young. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, that's her." Yeah, her name is Alex SO. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was really cool. Okay. And she's a good actress. Yeah. She's a chameleon. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Uh, yeah. By the end of this, I just, everybody, 
in my mind was just so perfectly cast. And the the guy who plays Riley, Zach Guilford, have I seen him in something else? I know I he have. Was outstanding. Yeah, I know I have. Uh, but he was such yeah. a a good, just solid character. Um, and I always really enjoy uh, Hamish uh, Linklater, the yeah. the priest. Yeah. But it was cool to like. Usually, it's in smaller roles so it was cool to see him kind of like at the center of it this when he first got fire and brimstone i was oh right uh, i was not anticipating i was i was anticipating a very kind of uh liturgical priestly Mm -hmm. i'm reading my things he got he got a little southern baptist Mm -hmm. oh my goodness (laughs) all right uh but even with that that was a character choice where you could see that i don't think that priest when he was younger ever preached like that I think that was very new. Yeah. And that was a part of his transformation and a part of this bloodlust and these other things. Mm-hmm. I, I think that was that was different to him. And that more than his appearance is why people didn't recognize that he was just a young version of, right. of the other priest. Yeah. But then there's that great speech too, where it's just you don't you pick up on it. They say it in in the series. You pick up on these changes, but you don't want to believe it. Or you pick up on these things and you don't want to believe it because you're not looking for it. Uh-huh. Um, which was kind of a meta thing for me with the prosthetics and the aging. Because at that point, I was like, oh, I, did, I didn't pick up on it at first. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then when I picked up on it, I was like, well, that's distracting. And then, oh, I see what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I'm so glad you texted me about this series because it was just – not at all what I was expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I hope you you will enjoy the other ones because yeah. he it just as strong on character. Like they're a little more subtle and because they're like haunting stories. Yeah. But what he chooses to use, like the moments he picks for the like ghosts and stuff, are are really really kind of iconic too. Yeah. And he uses them very wisely. And it's the same thing where you get. Regardless of it being a ghost story or a horror um, in the horror genre, he does such a good job with character that that's what is like you're drawn to. I wish what studios would learn from the MCU and the Marvel Cinematic Universe is that whether you like those films or not, they're very cohesive and they, they function well as a unit. And it's because they found a person to sort of juggle all of that Uh i wish the whatever you want to call it the stephen king empire or whoever's in charge of adaptations at at warner brothers for all the stephen king properties they have (laughs) get somebody like mike flanagan and be like give me a stephen king shared universe you're going to produce you can make some of these things but they need somebody like that who is just tonally you know simpatico with the way king writes Mm -hmm. and this character driven horror and somebody that's just saying, okay, uh, you know, here's how we're going to do Dr. Sleep. Could you imagine okay. him doing uh, the do, Dark Tower? Yeah, Dark Tower. Yeah, I, I, the whole time, I just, this is exactly what the Dark Tower needs. Yeah. The Dark Tower needs a budget and permission for somebody like this to just take their time. Mm-hmm. Give me a seven episode limited series of just the first book. Yeah. Mike Flanagan would kill that series. Mm-hmm. Um, it just he has he has such an understanding of of character and and intensity and the idea that um that was that was the thing i loved about the vampire creature is that alternating of speeds the the creature is so almost regal mm-hmm. in how it moves yep until it gets animalistic yep. and then it's lightning quick yeah 
And there is something about something that moves so intentionally but can explode like that with well, such ferocity that's so scary. Well, it also, I mean, it's with the regalness of it kind of sells that angel mm-hmm. idea. It, like it kind of like, because it made me even question it. Like, is there something in the Bible where there was some almost vampiric like presence that they're pulling from rather than it just being a straight vampire? Yeah. And it's just like, so it made me really like, because it, it really sold that idea of like, this is something almost beyond a vampire. Yeah. And yeah. It's so cool. And that's that's something I love that they didn't explain anything. Yeah, they didn't explain why the thing was in the cave in Jerusalem. They didn't explain why. There's at no point do you get the I've been researching this for two decades, and I'm this character you found out in the woods, and look at my bulletin board where I've got all these pictures of angels that have. Yeah, there's never that moment. Well, it, didn't it didn't need, need that. it. Yeah, no, it doesn't need that. I love the just like him pulling the giant box in. Yeah. And like with his, like, it's probably got, you you know, like his ancestral soil or whatever it is, that whole lore. I always love that bit of lore. And so that's what he used to transport him. And it just, and that was so fun. And you don't have to explain it. Like there's, it's just there and it makes, makes sense within the world. And in retrospect, it makes it even worse that he is seeing this thing as good. Yeah. Why in the world would you need to box up an angel (laughs) and drag it across the world? Yeah. With you, why and can't it can only an- come out at night. Yeah, why can't this angel come out and in the day? And it started by drinking your blood and then feeding you its blood. And it just there, there are so many obvious signs that this is not good. Mm-hmm. And and I would imagine he's so taken by the fact that he's now young. Well, I mean, I'm sure that, he's feeling great after oh, the yeah. experience. So oh, like. Yeah. Why would it be evil if I'm yeah. feeling this way? And it matches with that's where they're really pulling biblical themes of okay, well, sufferings led to blessing, mm-hmm. and that's there. You got to twist it to apply it to a vampire. But again, yeah, if you wake up and you're young and you feel great, <laughs> and like the like consuming the blood of Christ yep. and like communion and all that, especially is, in that side of Christianity where yeah. it's not just these are it's like we really symbols. believe we yeah. really believe once you drink this right. that it turns into the body and blood once it hits your digestive tract which mm-hmm. always an interesting belief to me but okay uh, I'm not here to criticize anybody's beliefs but it's just that always has been like a, wow that really that takes a step up mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not just hey could you you eat this and drink this to remember me it's, uh, could you eat this and drink this to remember me? Because it's definitely turning into my fleshy bits when it goes down your gullet. <laughs> Oof. Okay. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, it just, the the way it deals with all of that. And uh, that was, uh, I guess my final point is that it was so impressive in how well structured that argument was. Because even though I hated it, even though I knew it was wrong, even though it's being presented, I can see why it's convincing to these characters. I can see why this town is buying into this. I can see even up to the the very climactic handing out cups, they're, they're watching people die and come back to life. Mm-hmm. So it makes total sense when people start downing it. You know, there's a couple of people that are true believers. They do it out of faith early on. But after that, they've now seen. Mm-hmm. They've seen right. somebody die and come back to life. Right. It's like it's no longer just a pure act of faith at yep. that point. Yep. And so it it makes sense how it suddenly starts to snowball. Yeah. And uh, and it gets away from them, and and then it really makes sense why you know the priest goes through 
some of the issues he has then in that moment because this suddenly got really chaotic and out of control and this is not what he wanted. And he should have anticipated it, but he did not. He should have seen Bev for what she is, but he did not. He should have seen the vampire for what it is, but he did not. Well, Andy's only going from his experience of like he's been able to control the bloodlust to a degree. And like, I mean, with the help of Bev, like kind of like having even then, oh, he's he's a drunk and he was a pariah. And yeah, and God sometimes, you know, wants us to eliminate the evil in our midst. And it's hard, but you have to they they just feed each other. Yeah, she's much easier. She she just she is a narcissist and Mm -hmm. she wants power. She, you can tell when she's on a, a, a ramble and a rant, she wants oh, to be a priest. Yeah, yeah. She just can't. She's a woman in this community, and that's not her place. But that's what she wants. Mm-hmm. She wants to be him. And to the point that she kind of worships and reveres him. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, she's creepy. <laughs> she... Well, and you can tell the power she gets from the, like, the years of, like just soaking in the um the scripture and stuff like she knows it so yeah. she knows this is her superpower at this point yeah yeah she you can see oh, it on her face when riley's mom comes out and she wants to cut through the core of bev and all she has to say is you're not a good person yeah you're not a good person and you see on her face yeah. that's that's the greatest insult mm-hmm. she could have said in that moment uh because to to this bev woman she is a good person. She's the best person. She, yeah. She's she the is, one who deserves to be, yep. to go to heaven, all the bounties of Christ. But you can see it on her face yeah. when, when, uh, you know, uh, the priest turns other people and she's standing there like, when, when do I get mine? Mm-hmm. And even then she's ready to run. Somebody has to kill her before she even comes back and, and gets that. Uh, so even then in that moment, she's not actually a faithful, she's not one of the true believers. No. And especially- She's an opportunist. Right. And then especially at the end where she's like burying herself in the sand oh. because she's 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 afraid of death just as much yeah. as anyone else. She doesn't have, she doesn't have pure faith yeah. in it. And, and she's going to go to heaven. Moment, yeah. And in that moment, I, I didn't see her as, as, she was afraid to die. She was afraid of the sun, but- I, it, it's that very Old Testament image of uh, somebody in sackcloth or or being in the dust. It's I'm afraid of hell. I'm afraid of. Well, the, she's yeah, she's not truly convinced that she's yeah, yeah yeah. She's still truly convinced there's a God, but she's suddenly questioning whether she's right going to get in. Yeah, and that's that's how I read the the horror on her face, and it was weirdly satisfying. Uh, but you know. <laughs> I, I don't know. This was this was just top to bottom, uh, an incredible series and uh, a really thoughtful series. Mm-hmm. I just I was very impressed with it. Yeah. So Mike Flanagan, Mike Flanagan. You're a Flanagan, a fan again. Yeah. There you go. I'm a fan again, a Flanagan. Needs to be the Kevin Feige of just the entire horror drama, uh, horror genre. Yeah. I'm so tired, Clint. <laughs> I realize uh, my words. Well, this uh, the one last thing is that going back to what we were talking about in our last episode with um, James Wan mm-hmm. and how it just completely goes all in on the crazy. Yep. I really appreciate this goes all in on just being character and yep. like it's it's serious 
and it goes all in on it. Yeah. Like it's, it knows what it is and it it's, knows what it's doing. It never wavers into like, now we're going to be super, uh, we're going to be, have fun with the vampire. It's, it's just, I don't know what, what I'm trying to, exactly what, what I'm saying, but it, it would, it goes all in on what it, it, yeah. it, it knows what it is. And I love that ultimately it's, it's last message point is just look, mm-hmm. just look, just open your eyes and look at things and you'll see them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there's even a great line in there about you know God being a, a God that works in mysterious ways. But there's a debate about what that means. And it's the idea that you know if if God loves you, yeah, He can work in mysterious ways. But is He actually trying to be that much of a mystery? Mm-hmm. Or are you able to just look and evaluate and say that over there is evil, mm-hmm. and maybe I shouldn't orbit that thing <laughs> you know it just it, it feels like the ultimate message of this is just like guys open your eyes mm-hmm. stop being so consumed by what you think or what you've been taught and just look at things and ask yourself some very basic questions mm-hmm. and I, th- I think you know not to overblow it but when people just step back and ask some very basic questions and are willing to look at some hard answers to those basic questions it points them in a direction that uh, away from the the kind of fervor that just tears things apart and destroys and and ends up with people being uh, extremists or hypocrites or all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and it ends up probably being it's much easier yeah. that way. Yeah. So you're not talking yourself into knots. Yeah, exactly. Because that's what they do. Yeah. Uh, you take any point that Bev is arguing something and you compare it to something else. She's arguing her. She's arguing against herself the whole time. She's just saying whatever she needs to say in that moment to win that argument. Mm-hmm. But none of her arguments actually hold water against each other. Um, she's just in that moment so desperately trying to justify what she needs to believe. Yeah. Not what's true or or not even what, what her beliefs say, but what she needs her beliefs to say. Yeah. And it's in her final acts on the island too, the same idea where she's – believing the, like, she's not going to give these people, like, a place to hide or refuge. And so we're going to burn the whole place down by, but by in that, you're, you're giving yourself the the same fate. Yeah. It's the hubris. It's the yeah. pride. It's, yeah. it's the ultimate kicker of, you know, you thought you were so sinless, but you were engaging in such pride that that's why you're on the beach trying to dig a hole. Yeah. Trying to bury your head. Um, yeah. Which, side note, the only thing I thought is like, did they did they just burn every tool shed too? I feel like <laughs> somewhere I would have been the guy that's like scoping out the neighbor's, uh, you know, shed and taping up the windows in my last half hour. I would not have died on that island. No. I there was probably, would not well, maybe not an island. Obviously, maybe there's a basement you can get into. But I just, I felt like somewhere there, somebody would have survived. But, you know. It doesn't work for the the allegory. And no, I, I mean, I like the imagery of... I do too. Yeah, I do too. Everything's burning and yep. now you're going to do it in the sun. Oh, and the, the shock at they did what? They burned the boats? <laughs> that never occurred to you? <laughs> well, I think it, it goes no. back to the, the hubris yeah. of it. Like we, they thought they had this solid plan yeah. and didn't even think about that part of it. Yeah. Um, Oh, I and, love that last, I love that last imager of them singing the yeah. hymn. And then it cuts off abruptly as the sun just takes them all out. Yeah. That was that was a great image. Yeah. And uh, just going back to, uh, you know, Church of My Childhood and everything, this whole soundtrack is the most clever arrangement 
of very on the nose uh, like old hymns and stuff like that. <laughs> if if like at one point it was uh, leaning on the everlasting arms, I'm sitting there and it whatever was happening in the moment, I'm like, oh, that song has never been creepy, but that <laughs> is super creepy in this moment. And so if you ever rewatch it, see if you pick up on some of those music cues. Oh, if you I remember did. some of those. Oh, oh no, man. I did. Because I was like, oh, I know this song. Yeah. And now I, I'm uh, hearing but, it in a different way. <laughs> yup. The words to it, just like, ooh, oh, okay. They're, yeah. okay. Uh, so I I thoroughly enjoyed that too. So any other thoughts on Midnight Mass? No, I, okay. I mean I could ramble on about it for another hour. I really but... could too. Just just watch it. Uh, obviously, if you've made it this far, we spoiled way too much. But even so, uh, if you haven't watched it, you should definitely watch it. Yeah, and I say I can't imagine I, somebody would make it this far without watching it. But I could understand if you don't like it though. Really, I think I mean. <sighs> I think you need to have patience with it at first. That's for sure. I, I see what you're saying. I think yeah. the it, it, there. I mean, and I knew going in just because I've watched the other series, like mm-hmm. how he develops character, and he spends a lot of time with that. And I could see you going wanting to go into a horror um, series, and it's spending the first three episodes just with these characters until it yeah. reveals what it's doing and getting frustrated. I could see but, that too. Go in with patience. If you haven't watched it, and we, I mean, we just spoiled a lot, but still plan to have patience with it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I wish we had said that at the be- I mean, we did sort of allude to that at the beginning, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, it requires patience, but it rewards patience. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I guess I could see that somebody that's really just looking for a give me a good vampire story. Yeah. Would, would not enjoy this up front. Yeah. You would really have to give it time. I think that's why the the leftovers struggled because I think that's the kind of series where people just want their answers about, well, where did people go and what happened to them and are they coming back and what's all of these things. They they want the sci-fi answers. Mm. And the leftovers was not interested in in giving anybody those answers. It was just interested in what do these people deal with when this sort of thing is suddenly thrust on them. Mm-hmm. And that's the same feeling that this has. Um, you know, this has much more of, of a supernatural element and something to uh, kind of dig into. But at the same time, it's still that I could see that being frustrating to people. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Uh, watch Midnight Mass. It is it is great. If you've already watched it, watch it again. Because uh, after I do, what, what were the other ones? House on... Uh, House on Haunted Hill, Haunted Hill. And, and Bly Manor, Bly which is, Manor. I think it's The Haunting of Bly Manor or something. Okay. I need to watch both of them, and then I'm going to go back and watch Midnight Mass again. They And they, I hope maybe next year, uh, he they always come out around Halloween, so mm-hmm. it's always a nice... Okay. So I'm looking forward yeah. to hearing what you think of the other ones. Yeah, I, I want to watch those, and then I'm going to uh, send Mike Flanagan a Christmas card <laughs> and um, you know, beg him just to, I don't know, perform some sort of Hollywood coup and take over all of horror. And uh, that'd be well. James Wan, he doesn't have to take over all of it. James, and there's there's some good horror. Yeah, there's some great horror directors. Yeah, yeah, there's some great horror directors. Maybe just give him like all of Stephen King's movies. Yes, just Dark Tower. Start there. Yeah, I I go on and on about that. I'm so disappointed in the Dark Tower movie and the fact that there's not a legit Dark Tower adaptation yet. But whatever. Anyway, this has been uh, a very special episode of Cinebabble uh, with Midnight Mass. Uh, look for whatever we talk about next uh, on our 
episode. I guess that'll be our 40th episode. Yeah, I think we're doing a Halloween special. Okay. Oh, so our Halloween special will be episode 40. Yeah. Which is actually like because of our Watchmen stuff. I wonder if we're actually at 50. Huh. I have to check that out. At some point, we've recorded 50 episodes. They may not be numbered 50. Yeah. that's cool. Yeah, I like and it. I think there was like three before we started numbering them. That did we, we ever put those we online? Might not ever put them I don't up. think you ever put them on. Those yeah. are our really, really early. How do we do this mm-hmm. kind of recordings? Those are fun. I don't know. You can put them up sometime if you want to. I'm not going to listen to them. <laughs> I hate going back and listening to our old stuff. Mm. So, all right, we were great from the start. So, what are you saying? Ooh. <laughs> we got there. We got pretty good. But uh, I don't know if we're there yet. <laughs> well, you know, we definitely weren't there at the start. So uh, this has been Cinebabble's bonus episode for Midnight Mass. Uh, Join us next time and, uh, you know, watch out for them vampires, kids. Baby bitey. (laughs) (laughs) Baby bitey. Baby bitey. (laughs) Bye, Ken. Bye, Clint.